The Trump administration on Monday announced that it would change the way the Endangered Species Act is applied, significantly weakening the nation's bedrock conservation law and making it harder to protect wildlife from the multiple threats posed by climate change. The new rules will make it easier to remove a species from the endangered list and weaken protections for threatened species. The classification one step below endangered. And for the first time, regulators will be allowed to conduct economic assessments, for instance, estimating lost revenue from a prohibition on logging in a critical habitat when deciding whether a species warrants protection or not. Factor in the effects of climate change on wildlife when making those decisions because those threats tend to be decades away and not immediate. Overall, the revised rules appear very likely to clear the way for new mining, oil, and gas drilling and development in areas where protected species now live. In trying to cover up their real intents, Interior Secretary David Barnhart said the changes would quote-unquote modernize the Endangered Species Act, which is credited with rescuing the bald eagle, the grizzly bear, the American alligator, uh, hooping cranes here in Texas from the brink of extinction and increased transparency in its application. The effectiveness uh, rests on clear, consistent, and efficient implementation, he said in a statement Monday. Other words, uh, screw the animals, screw the endangered species, let us drill and do whatever we want anywhere, no more protection, uh, basically, to, as far as they're concerned. The new rules are expected to go into effect next month. Environmental groups, Democratic state attorneys general, and Democrats in Congress denounced the changes and vowed to challenge them in Congress in the next court. Maria Healy, the attorney general of Massachusetts, called the changes reckless and said states would do everything they can to oppose these actions. Senator Tom Udall of New Mexico, the top Democrat on the committee that oversees the Interior Department's budget, said Democrats were considering the invoking of the Congressional Review Act, a 1996 law that gives Congress broad authority to invalidate rules established by federal agencies to block the changes. The Endangered Species Act has been regulators' most powerful tool for protecting fish, plants, and wildlife ever since it was signed into law by President Richard M. Nixon in 1973. The peregrine falcon, the humpback whale, the Tennessee purple coneflower, and the Florida manatee all would very likely have disappeared by now without it, scientists say. Even though the law was originally put in place by a Republican, Republicans have long sought to narrow the scope of the law, saying that it burdened landowners, hampers industry, and hinders economic growth. Mr. Barnhart, a former oil and gas lobbyist, folks, that's how we hire them these days, wrote in an op-ed last summer that the act places an unnecessary regulatory burden on large companies. They also make the case that the law is not reasonable because species are rarely removed from the list. That's not true, folks. The eagle's been removed. Since the law is passed, more than 1,650 have been listed as threatened and endangered, while just 47 have been delisted because their populations rebounded. That just means we have a heck of a lot more work to do, folks. As a reference, over the past two years, Republicans made a major legislative push to overhaul the entire law. Despite holding a majority in both houses of Congress, though, the proposals were never taken up by the Senate. Fortunately, with Democrats now in control of the House, there was little chance of those bills passing. 
The Trump administration's revisions to the regulations that guide the implementation of the law, however, mean opponents of the Endangered Species Act will still be poised to claim their biggest victory in decades. Among the most controversial changes are the limitations on the ability of regulators to take climate change into consideration when making listing assessment. David J. Hayes, who served as a Deputy Interior Secretary under President Obama, is now Executive Director of the State Energy and Environmental Impact Center at the New York University School of Law. He said the changes would straightjacket the scientists to take climate change out of consideration, when determining how to best protect wildlife. Even more frightening to me, a recent United Nations assessment, some environmentalists noted, warned that human pressures are poised to drive about a million species into extinction and that protecting land and biodiversity is critical to keep greenhouse gas emissions in check. Climate change, a lack of environmental stewardship, and mass industrialization have all contributed to the enormous expected global nature loss, the United Nations report said. Another contentious change removes long-standing language that prohibits the consideration of economic factors when deciding whether a species should or should not be protected. Under the current law, such determinations must be made solely based on science, without reference to possible economic or other impacts of determination. And in another case of smoke and mirrors, Gary Fraser, the Assistant Director for Endangered Species with the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, said the phrase had been removed for reasons of, quote-unquote, transparency. He said the change leaves open the possibility of conducting economical analysis for informational purposes only, but that decisions about listing species would still be based exclusively on science. Sure. Do you remember, folks, with this administration, uh, science doesn't count. EPA has been gutted. They don't care anything about the environment. They don't care about our air. They don't care about our water. All they care about is making the buck now. They're not looking down the road for us or the future of our children. Like me, many environmental groups saw a danger in that decision. There can be economic cost to protecting endangered species, said Drew Caputo, Vice President of the Litigation for Lands, Wildlife, and Oceans at Earth Justice, an environmental law organization. But he said, if we make decisions based on short-term economic costs, as this administration almost always does, we're going to have a whole lot more extinct species on our hands. The new rules also give the government significant discretion in deciding what is meant by the term, oh, this is great, foreseeable future. There's a semantic change with far-reaching implications because it enables regulators to disregard the effects of extreme heat, drought, rising sea levels, and other consequences of climate change that may occur several decades down the road from now. When questioned about the change and its implications in an era of climate change, Mr. Fraser said the agency wanted to avoid making speculative decisions far into the future. Among the animals at risk from this change, Mr. Caputo listed a few. Polar bears and seals that are losing crucial sea ice, hooping cranes whose migration patterns are shifting because of the temperature changes, and beluga whales that will have to dive deeper and longer to find food in an ever-warming Arctic. 
Representative Bob Bishop of Utah, the top Republican on the House Natural Resources Committee, applauded the changes, oh boy, saying the Endangered Species Act had become a political weapon instead of a tool to protect wildlife under previous administrations. These final revisions are aimed at enhancing interagency cooperation, clarifying standards, and removing inappropriate one-size-fits-all practices, he said. Eric Melito, a vice president at the American Petroleum Institute, a trade group representing the oil and gas industry, also praised the new rule and said the changes would reduce duplicative and unnecessary regulations, other words, so they can go drill and do whatever they want. Folks, the, the species that have been put on either the endangered list or uh, the threatened list are indicator species to us. They're telling us something's wrong with the environment. It's changed so much they can't make it anymore. Why, it's changing for us the same as it's changing for them. One that's not brought up here is uh, the plight of amphibians, of all things. We're losing millions and millions of them every year all across the world. Why? Because we've changed the environment enough and they don't, they don't adapt very well. And they're indicating to us, hey, there's something wrong with this environment. Let's stop and take a, a look at it and see if there's not something we can do to at least fix it or abate it so it doesn't get worse. Thanks for listening. It's just one of my diatribes I try to do each week. But I think, folks, we have got to start thinking about down the road. We've got to start thinking what we call the seventh generation. What are we doing to our children and their children? Right now, that doesn't seem to be in anybody's mind.